This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets. And Zupan's Markets is bringing something brand new for those of you and us who are dog lovers in Portland. When you shop uh, in the hot weather, it's especially disconcerting to figure out how to get that done without uh, leaving your dogs in jeopardy. Now, Zupan's has a thing called Dog Spot, and they're little dog houses that are air-conditioned that you can, where you can leave your dog while you shop. It's secure. As I said, it's air-conditioned, and uh, it's a pretty cool idea. You just download the app. Court will give you the information. Plug your information in, unlocks the door, and it unlocks it at the end when you're done shopping to pull your dog out. It's fan- I tried it this morning with Oakley, and uh, it worked flawlessly, and I was able to watch Oakley while I shopped. That's pretty cool. The app is called Dog Spot, so you want to download that. And then uh, typically it's about $0.30 cents per minute, but right now, Zupan's pup, one big long word, is a promo code you can use and receive 90 minutes free when you sign up. That's just get your shopping done quickly and get yeah. out there. You Dog get, spot get, app. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Also at Zupan's, they have, of course, fantastic events. You got to go to Zupan's.com and look under the events tab. They have really nice dinners, but this uh, this weekend, floral design and wine. You can learn the tips and tricks of incorporating citrus into your floral design and create a bright and beautiful arrangement while you're having wine and hors d'oeuvres. Does it get any better than that? Nope. It takes place in the breezeway at Lake Oswego, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. July 28th. Get your tickets now. So sign up for the news feed. You can also go to zoopans.com, get all sorts of great recipes there. Uh, Three locations, McAdam, Lake Oswego, and West Burnside, and always where? Zoopans.com. All right, here we are. It's time once again, Portland's Food Scene Podcast with your host, Chris Angeles from Portland Food Adventures. And over there on the other side of the room is the venerable Court Johnson from kink.fm. Ooh, I, I like that uh, that description because it's all true. Yeah, I'll, it's the only time we're ever going to use it. Thank, I, I, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'll have this memorialized. <laughs> We don't want your we don't want your uh, head to get too swollen so that your headphones don't fit. And I've been in radio long enough to know that uh, any sort of praise heaped my way is uh, you know it's partially true, but I shouldn't rely on it. Well, no, no, it's true in this case. I sincerely appreciate your uh, being around in this um, in this endeavor for the last six years. So thank you very much. Yeah, and as we uh, we enjoy a beautiful um, beautiful summer weather, it feels like summer took forever to get here to the Pacific Northwest. Um, I feel it's ever so important as people are taking more road trips, they're out uh, hanging out. They can just pop on right at the fork, you know, onto their device and listen to podcasts wherever they are. And we we know one of the things we know from data is that people binge watch it. So certainly, in addition to this episode today that we're going to feature with Vince Wynn from Berlu. You can go back and listen to a lot of great episodes with some fantastic people mm-hmm. um, over the years. And if you haven't heard it, it's all new to you. That's right. And and we should say because we don't do this enough, Chris. Uh, if you if you, if you like what you're hearing, you can give us a rating. You can give us a, a review um, right there on whatever platform you're listening uh, to us through, whether it be iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. Um, that certainly helps us out. Or you could always send us an email. We every now and then we get an email, Chris, and it's uh, it's you know it's like we've struck gold. 
we get we get emails a few a few emails comments, but we also get guest suggestions too, and those are always nice yep. to receive. Um, and we're most interested in people's personalities, and of course, what they're doing is important. But the the, the podcast is about the folks who make the great things in our food scene and not necessarily wholly about their restaurants or their businesses. That's right. Sure. We talk about them in the process of discussing it, which we do with Vince um, today uh, of Baraloo, his new restaurant over on Division, right next to the new Hot Yai. Um, Vince comes with some chops. You know, he used to cook at Castagna and... Um, He's been quite a few other places and has a worldly view. And plus, we'll get to hear about Vince's hockey card collection as well, which is uh, something you wouldn't expect from an Asian guy, who, you know, from L.A. who comes up to Portland to have a hockey card collection. So um, that was kind of cool to hear. And, uh, you know, Vince is a very meticulous guy. His food is... It's beautiful and delicious. He serves multi-course meals down at Berlou. You can find that at berloupdx.com. Um, and first, you can you can find Vince at Right at the Fork right now. Right at the Fork is proud to be supported by Zupan's Markets. For over 40 years, unsurpassed quality from the best meats and wines to the freshest baked goods, flowers, and more, with a delicious emphasis on locally sourced items. The best of the Northwest Bounty can be found at your closest Zupans on West Burnside, McAdam, or Lake Grove. And at Zupans.com, eat well, put taste first, love your food. By Ringside Steakhouse. Owned by the Peterson family for generations, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a landmark of the Portland landscape, featuring impeccable service that has set the standard for nearly 75 years. Enjoy the finest aged steaks, their world-famous onion rings, and even Ringside's legendary late-night happy hour. Whether it's a special occasion, a business dinner, or just a great night out, make a reservation at ringsidesteakhouse.com today. By Portland Food Adventures. Tempt yourself with an incredible Italian food vacation with Astri Enzyme and a wonderful October journey to Bologna and Emilia-Romagna. It's all at PortlandFoodAdventures.com under the Trips tab. Contact Right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for more information and special savings on these PFA food journeys. And by Gen Air Quality Appliances at Standard TV and Appliance. Standard TV and Appliance is your source for the best of Gen Air and associated brands, where you can check out the latest technology in appliances like Gen Air's remote access ranges with a host of other cool features for your upgrade or remodel. Gen Air and Standard, both staples in Oregon and Washington kitchens since 1947. You, you may have been caught off guard anyway because I realized when I looked in the mirror as I was leaving, you may have thought you were about to shake hands with Bernie Madoff. I think with this hat, when I look in it, I think I look like you think? him. Well, yeah, I just got this hat in Brooklyn, New York last week. And don't you think I might? I don't want to look like him, but I, right, right. You know, I'm just no, I, I, I guess I can kind of see. I just remember all the pictures I remember seeing of him. He had like the... He must have bought his entire wardrobe in the 90s because it just felt super 90s, even though right. he was wearing it you know, right before his arrest. Well, it really doesn't matter when you're in jail for the rest of your life what era of clothing you're in. I'm just saying, for a guy who you know, stole billions, he 
could have at least updated his wardrobe from the 90s. Yeah, or, you know, Paul Manafort got all those. Right, okay, sure. So, anyway, Vince, it's great to have you here. I don't hear you. Is it still a pleasure to be here? <coughs> Officially, yes. Yeah, now I do. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about this for quite a while. Yeah. A, a long time. Yeah. It's It's been a long road for you to get to Berlou. Has, yes. From Jolie Lad to Berlou. Yeah, Jolie Lad to Berlou. How long has that been? Um, From concept? <clears throat> concept. So I was supposed to open in February last year. That was kind right. of the initial... Not not expecting delays, February. and um, Of 2018. 2018, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, and you had contacted me, and I said, I kind of have a thing, like, open first. And yeah. then, because how many things, Court, have we had, like the opening of the food cart, the movie? That was a year and a half before it actually oh, right. released. We talked about that. And then there was another one that we did that it took a long time for the restaurant to actually open, so... Well, there's, 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 and there's another one that hasn't even opened. Which one's that? Uh, it was, uh, I'm blanking out on it. Carlos's place. Oh, Magna. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah, that was yeah. a long time ago. <laughs> but anyway, so that's when I started saying, hey, when you're open, let's have you on because yeah. it makes more sense. People can go there and Absolutely. try it if we're Absolutely. talking about it. Um, it's kind of, anyway, so yeah, it's been a long time. How, so what have you learned along the way that might help others who uh, are opening restaurants? You just have to um, understand that plan A isn't going to go according to plan. Plan B, you have to have a plan C and D, and um, you just have to kind of roll with roll with it. And you don't necessarily have, you're not necessarily laying out plans B, C, and D. You have to, imp you have to come up with those yeah, along the way. Yeah, you just kind of got to roll with it, make it happen, be patient, and uh, just if you have that understanding... Um, I think things will kind of work out as best they can. Good. Well, I'm glad you're saying that. Yeah. So what didn't work out to make it? So we're talking about uh, 15, 16, 17 months. Yeah. So the initial, let's see. So first off, the, the permitting, of course, took a lot longer just because there's so much new development going on in the city. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of the, a lot of the buildings. So I'm, I'm subleasing from Earl who has a, Hot Yai 2.0 that has opened. Right, on Division. Yeah, no, on Belmont. On Belmont, Belmont right, right, right. Yeah. I always, I've been thinking Division for that. I have to, once I go, then I Ooh, will no longer don't say be... Division, because that's Pock Pock, that's Pock Pock territory. Yeah, well, I didn't say it for that reason. <laughs> I just, I, I just felt like everything's going on on Division. I haven't been, so once I go to your place, and thank you for inviting me the other night, sorry, I couldn't make it, uh, and to Hot Yai, I will no longer be thinking Division. Maybe... Just saying it right now will help me to remember. Belmont. It's Belmont. Belmont. So how far are you from uh, Notoguro then? I think they're on 30th. So my actually my accountant is pretty close to them. So I drive by them every now and then. So you're on Belmont. Belmont and 6th. Yes. Belmont and 6th. Awesome. That's In a the courtyard. In a courtyard. That's a pretty yeah. nice location. And it's got to be pretty busy with Hot Yai over there now. Yeah. You know, my, my business doesn't really um, rely on foot traffic. Right. You know, no one really stumbles upon it, and people kind of like a lot. A lot of the tenants have been really supportive in the building, the Madeira building. Mm -hmm. um, they've kind of um, peeked in every now and then. I have curtains, so you can't really see what's going on. It doesn't really look like a normal restaurant, so they're kind of they're very inquisitive as to what what it was during the building process. 
And uh, yeah, they've been really sweet, really supportive. And- I'm, I'm going to throw something at you that it does, the walk-in traffic, walk-by walk traffic mm. will matter because I think with all the people going to high, oh, they're yeah. going to see it and then go and think, what's that? Mm. And that is great exposure right yeah. there on the street for people to know where it is. I don't know if you have any sample menus posted outside, mm. but some of my best experiences while traveling anyway have been just walking by, looking at a menu and making a reservation a few days later. Mm. So Maybe I got to hire someone to hold up a sign, twirl a, twirl a sign around. There you go, a twirler. <laughs> um, yeah, you heard, yeah, that would be, that's perfect for the atmosphere and the vibe that you're trying to create for yeah. Berlue. Yeah. Twirler. So you don't need that, but just, uh, you know, just if it looks nice, and I'm sure it does, people are going to want to know. So um, permitting and other obstacles yeah. along the way. That's a long way. And yeah. how, so how did you sustain yourself during that period? It's not like you're uh, part of your P&L is going to be 17 yeah. months of n- no income. So I still had the pop-up going, Julie Led, up until, actually I kind of kept it up until June of 2018. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was busy with that. And then I actually got a job with a really sweet family as a private chef. And that actually funded 70% of this whole, um, of Berlou. Wow. Yeah, so my savings from Julie Led and um, and that job, a really, really profitable summer job, kind of helped pay for it. So that kept me busy, so I traveled a lot with them for about three months. So I finished with them in August. Then I came back, and that's when it was a kind of struggle, a point of struggle, because I was expecting to just roll right into uh, Berlue and like the construction of Berlue, and and um, you know, concrete hadn't been poured yet, drywall wasn't up, nothing had progressed to the point I thought it was. So I had all these plans on design and like interior design finishing, and uh, we couldn't really move on that. So that was kind of frustrating. So I ended up reaching out to um, um, Honey Milk. And um, Brandon of Honeymoke, he had reached out previously because he had his pop. He still has his pop up over on Burnside and Twenty Eighth. And uh, I guess we would kind of cross each other's every now and then because I was on at Longmont. And he reached out to me and to see if any of my guys needed help, or any of my guys were looking for more work. And so we just kind of had that uh, initial introduction. Then I just reached out and and uh, told him my situation. He's really flexible, and then so I worked with him up until the end of the year. Um, during That's the whole a little process. different than what your what your concept is, right? Yeah, honey milk is. I haven't I haven't been. I've talked to Brandon and uh, surely want to go. Unfortunately, weekends I'm not usually. It's a great in, concept. Yeah, but uh, I'd love to meet him and have him on the podcast. Oh yeah. So I'll shoot him an email. Yeah, well, I have him somewhere in my email yeah. list. But at any rate, so you did that. Yeah, up until the end of the year, and I, I kind of had mentally just kind of moved away. Like everyone's like, why don't you just keep doing your pop, pop-up? And then I just kind of mentally had moved away from from the pop-up. Can you sustain uh, a living on a pop-up? Yeah, I mean, I had my pop-up. That was my main source of income was one to two nights a week. And um, yeah, I, I don't live, I live a pretty I, modest life. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Do you have, is it just you? You're supporting a single guy? Just and... me. I live, yeah, my girlfriend, I have a house and... Great. Yeah. That's good to know. I didn't necessarily, I thought my impression was that um, 
pop-ups, well, I guess Maya and Zach did it for a long time, mm. but that pop-ups, um, you know, were kind of always a stepping stone to what you're doing. Yeah. So I always assumed that a living could not be made. Um, but And also market conditions change. Yeah. So, you know, pop-ups at some point with all the new restaurants going on, they may have, a, I don't know, may or may not have more of a struggle. But so Yeah, I think for me, um, I mean, obviously a more sustainable lifestyle, more enjoyable lifestyle comes with you know, the restaurant, but just the limitations of a pop-up, you know, um, the ability to refine dishes and the repetition, um, you can't really do because you're only doing it one or two days a week and then, mm-hmm. then it's done. We're here now, you know, every day something changes. Every day things improve. So um, I've been really happy with the first first month and I'm excited where we go from here. And so what nights are, the, are you, how many nights a week are you open? Four nights, Thursday through Sunday. Okay. And are you, so everything is booked in advance? Yeah, through talk. So it's prepaid. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Farm Spirit or right. exactly like Farm Spirit. And I think they're the only other tasty menu restaurant in town using it, or Beast uses as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's great because we know exactly how many we, and it's a, such a small amount that for the most part we will do, we'll fill out. Um, so that's what we kind of plan on, 12, 12 guests a seating. Mm-hmm. Um, starting next week, we're adding two se- a second seating on Saturdays. So we'll do a total of five seatings for the week. Very and, nice. Yeah, and then uh, we'll see where we're at in uh, September. Then I'll release at least tickets, and we'll see where we're at. Good. Has it been comfortable for you? Has it been a scramble? No, I mean the first week was definitely a scramble, just because, you know, I'm I'm still doing about seventy percent of the the prep, and then you throw in, oh, we need this, we need that, like things need to be fixed within the the space just to work more efficiently. So there's a lot of running around, and I've had a lot of help. Like my girlfriend has helped me a lot with that, and that's not really something I rely on of any of the staff members. You know, they're more so just relying on for their time that evening, mm-hmm. service time. Um, so that was a bit of a struggle. And now now we're definitely at the point where we can just, we just need to focus on service and food. And um, Well, one, one month struggle after, you know, building it doesn't seem like a lot. Yeah, it's all, it's, a, it's such a small scale that it's all, everything's pretty manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So is the service like... Jo- the Jolly Lad was? Is it the food similar? I mean, yeah, the similar. concept is very similar. Um, serve is very similar. We're serving 12 people at the same time. Um, you know, we kind of changed a few uh, service styles where we're serving a, f- a few courses together to kind of, we want to kind of speed up the, the whole the dining time. So we want to kind of get it in like the two hour range. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> So we're serving some courses together, um, like the main course. Right now we're featuring these organic chickens from Marion Acres. And that's like uh, like four or five kind of dishes all in one at the same time that oh, you nice. kind of share and eat. And yeah, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it adds a little, it's a little more fun, a little more casual within the tasting menu, which I think is important. We don't want it to be too, um, too formal, not overly formal and, so looking at your resume, you have quite a resume. It just reminded me of, you know, reading Gary the Foodie's, you know, oh, travels. Gary. <laughs> and all those places that you've worked, Noma, Koi, lots of them I've heard about through Gary. Mm. Um, I don't read as much international food new media as 
Some do, and especially Gary. He, he absorbs it. Quite the traveler. He actually ate last night. At? At Barilou, yeah, oh, the first time he ate. And uh, I he, was telling him that I was coming here, and and uh, I was saying, like, you should just come with. And But he said it's kind of tough because they only have three cameras. And I was Oh, like, cameras. We have to get Or not cameras. cameras I'm sorry. Yeah, no, microphones. Three mics, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, it would have been good. I was actually going to write him and say, hey, because uh, he's originally the guy who said you should be on this podcast. Yeah. So he's a big fan of yours. And um, that's a bit, that's a compliment to you because he's eating all over the world. What were some of your um, main influences uh, to become the chef you are right now? Who, oh, were, who were some of your main influences? I mean, a little, a little piece of each chef, really. Um, so... Even back, so just starting from when I was in culinary school. And about, how long ago was that? So it was 12 years ago. 12 years. Um, that's not a long time to go from culinary third school. Third of my life. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> more than, more. For some of us, no, I, I a understand. More, a larger percentage. It's, it's strange to hear when people say I'm, I'm young. I'm sorry, smaller to hear, percentage. To hear that I'm young. That's my first impression when, you know, yeah. you seem very young. It's just because Asians look a lot younger. Than yeah, me. well, I don't want to say that. But you, <laughs> I can say that. Regardless, though, I'm to say that. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, you know what? I'm seeing you're you're smiling now. I'm seeing some laugh lines oh. on your eyes. So yes, it happens. Anyway, <laughs> I, um, so it happens. That let's I talk. Laugh let's smile. let's talk about yeah. When you laugh, well, keep uh, laughing. Get some more lines. Um, yeah. So I mean, I've always I've always been a very creative person. I've always been a hard worker. I've always. Um, been very driven and those are qualities that I've possessed throughout my cooking career regardless of the kitchen and um, one thing I kind of lacked was um, the discipline it takes to execute at a high level and that's something that's something big that I learned through these restaurants because that's what it takes to to achieve um, you know the standards that they've they've reached it takes an enormous amount of discipline so um, did you, did when you were in culinary school? Did you even recognize what a high level was, or did you have to work at some of these places to to see? Oh, wow! It can be done. That that can be done. I mean, in terms of like efficiency, I, I didn't know because I only you only know what you see. But I, um, in terms of like the final product, I was I was aware of all the top restaurants. You know, I was really into reading and and um, and researching then. So. So yeah, and the, at, when I first started cooking, that was the height of like you would say molecular gastronomy. So Abuli was you know at the pinnacle. So definitely um, was very much inspired by them and and you know Linea and WD Fifty. Those are all restaurants that were really inspirational to me and restaurants that I strive to be a part of. And what made you want to go to culinary school in the first place? Oh, <clears throat> um, so it's I actually like thunder. I was actually uh, working in a catering company as a server when I was 20, 21. And uh, one day someone called out sick, one of the cooks for a wedding, an event. And I was the youngest one working there. So they were like, all right, you got to jump in the back and help them out. I was like, okay. So I'm in there, you know, in a tuxedo helping prep. I don't remember what. And apparently I fell in love with it. Two weeks later, I dropped out of school. I signed up for culinary school and... That it all happened so quick. Where were you studying in school? Yeah, I was uh, focusing on chemistry, but I was going to be, a, I wanted to be a pediatrician. So well, that's a long way from, uh, from yeah. pediatrician to chef. Yeah, so my parents definitely were 
pretty upset because they uh, they made a big investment in me in terms of. Uh, How far into school were you? No, hurt? I was just um, still an undergrad, so starting my third year. Okay. But I mean, you know, they they worked really hard to be able to to put me through the best schooling. You know, I went to private school my whole life. I was raised Catholic, so it was Catholic private school. What schools did you go to? So in Orange County, um, it was called Saint Irenaeus. Mm-hmm. So that was like a kindergarten through eighth grade. And then um, in seventh grade, actually, so I did well in school. In seventh grade, there was this new school that opened up called Oxford. And it was like this, I don't know, you call it school for the gifted. Or, so I tested into that. And, um, and I was only there for a year. My parents wanted me to go back to, to the Catholic school. So I, then I went for the eighth grade there. And then um, high school, I went to a school called St. Irenaeus. Oh, no. High school, no, I went I was, to Servite, which is I was in say, I've heard of that before. Yeah. Um, and it was funny. I was just telling someone that uh, one of the guests that um, was actually from Orange County, we kind of recognized the schools, and uh, so he knew Servite. But um, I, was say, I was saying that my claim to fame at Servite was that our, our basketball team lost to LeBron James. <laughs> well, that's a good claim. Well, yeah. <laughs> Would have been a bigger claim to fame if they beat him. No. So what was it? St. Vincent, St. Mary's. Yeah. So they were in a tournament and then we lost a little. I didn't, I didn't watch the game, but yep. So wow, that's that's, are you a big basketball? Are you a Blazer fan now? Um, kind of. Yeah. Supportive okay. of them. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up a Clippers fan, so I grew up Orange County, you know, close to LA and um, I kind of hated the Lakers, to be honest. I just hated it. Well, it's good to have the Clippers so there. They're just so overly and, supportive. Yeah. And I'm not a big NBA fan, but mm. I just caught wind of they just made some incredible moves to yeah. become very competitive. Yeah. So you're going to have a good good year there. And so what? Uh, so uh, many different places you worked influenced oh, back you. Oh, yeah. And so, um, and um, <clears throat> then what got you to Portland? So Portland, so I was working in LA at the time at a restaurant called Providence. Um, and I, I was dating a girl who was in college and she transferred to U of O. And so that's why we made the move together. So she went to U of O and then I moved to Portland, kind of came across. What did you know about Portland at I the time? I knew nothing about Portland. I was asking my chef at the time. He's like, yeah, you should go to Beast. You should go to La Pigeon. I was like, oh, cool. And then I looked into it and I came across this restaurant called Castagna and uh, Matt Leitner was the chef. There's actually a dish, and it was a, a piece that Karen Brooks wrote. Um, but the dish that was featured was this bison tartare with pickled green strawberries. I think, like, pickled elderflower, like a lot of little different pickling things. And um, I mean, it was like, oh, i never seen green strawberries before. Bison, who eats that? And it was just, I was quite enamored by it. And, that, and again, it was so different from the restaurants that I was into. You know, if we didn't, if I hadn't made that move, I would have, probably moved to Chicago and tried to work at Alinea or moved to New York to go to WD-50. So those are the restaurants I was really into. So that's a completely different uh, end of the spectrum in terms of cuisine. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful for the move. So I moved, we moved and um, things didn't really work out with the girlfriend, but I fell in love with Portland. Um, I was lucky enough to earn a job at Kasanya. So I worked there for, um, so Justin was a sous chef at that, oh no, chef de cuisine at that time. Justin Woodward. Justin just Woodward. Assuming yeah. that people don't all know, yeah. they should. Um, yeah, Matt Leitner. Um, well, quite a few people who work there have sprung. They, that was the springboard of their yeah. careers too. You're not yeah. the only one who's. It's tough. It's like after you work there, it's tough. It's 
you know, in, in terms of that cuisine. Right. Um, there are not many other options. So can you, would you be able to move from that cuisine to something? Um, it sounds like your whole life you've been focused on the elevated cuisine. Yeah. What do we call, what do we call that? Um, I mean, I guess people say fine dining, but oh well, yeah, that could mean anything. I, I mean, like fine ele- elevated is elevated. Right. You know, I think it's elevated, yeah, cuisine. elevated cuisine. And I think that, you know, what you learn most from those types of restaurants is a level of, uh, is a high attention to detail. I would always tell people that, you know, working a salad, working like the appetite or cold section of a restaurant like that will make you a better meat cook because you just have such a high attention to detail. You understand things, you analyze things and, and, um, yeah. So I think it's what you learn at a restaurant like that is, is very applicable to any other kitchen setting. Just a matter of understanding, um, that not everything you do at that restaurant, not everything is applied to that. There's a purpose for everything. You know, you don't, you have to learn to adapt to each restaurant. And that's even in the higher end restaurants. Mm-hmm. Cause that was a big thing I learned. One of the biggest things I learned actually through my international travels was understanding, um, how to adapt to the different cultures within the kitchen. Um, and did you do extensive international travel and was it all, um, the, was the objective of your travel uh, to learn more about restaurants? Yeah, they all they and... all revolved around um, around cooking restaurants. So anytime you go to you went and mm-hmm. go to a destination, you're you know exactly what you're going to accomplish. I mean, I would go there to potentially live there and work there. I've never really traveled up until like my recent girlfriend. I've never traveled purely out of um, leisure. Mm-hmm. You know? so, <laughs> so now you are. Now I am. So now you're just going to have fun yeah. and restaurants as Not a Not really. I don't really go out to eat. Interesting. Yeah. So that's changed. So you must really be in love to have, no, to have that. I'm not no, actually no, no, joking. No. I'm saying that if that, that becomes less, less of a focus because I've realized at times where you just, you know, those of us who are obsessed with food, mm. I think I'm a little less obsessed than I used to be, but I still am. The fact that I'm just going to have a great time, then it, I don't even, sometimes go, I don't even care. Let's pick the one on the, on the corner and go in and have a nice time. And you can do that. So is well, that the case? I mean, ultimately that's the goal as, as a chef is to create, I want to create, um, I know, you know, what would you say? A platform or a space that nurtures that kind of experience, you know? And, and of course the food is engaging and creates conversation, but you know, ultimately I want two, two people, I would love for 12 people, but to come and just enjoy their company and, and each other's company. And if we can kind of add to that, then that, that's great. Pausing here a moment, Chris, to talk about Ringside Steakhouse, which if you recall, we mentioned this the last couple of weeks here on the podcast, has now shut down briefly for briefly. some renovation. Don't cut off no. the podcast before you hear the word briefly. Briefly. It'll open back up in mid-August after some renovations to the bar. I think it's early August. Early August <laughs> after some renovations to the bar, <laughs> as well as kind of reconfiguring some of the areas. So I think you can have some private parties there a little easier. Yeah. And so the bar is going to be redone. You yeah. know, Jimmy's been there for years. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of the folks, uh, Andy, they'll be operating from upgraded quarters yeah. soon. Um, and I want to mention the, um, if you stay tuned, 
uh, it, I believe, not 100%, I can't, I'm not going to divulge this, but but Ringside is going to have some new happy hour stuff going on. Ooh. And we know they have that great happy hour after They already have on one of the Sundays. best ones in town. Right, but they're going to they're gonna revamp that as well. I believe, yep. don't hold me to it, don't hold me to anything. Right. <laughs> Other than the experience you have at Ringside... Is second to none. It's right. Like you the, can hold us to that. You can, you know, It's guaranteed. Right. Uh, the best service in town, the best steaks, the best seafood. It's, it's perfect. Right. It's really a nice place to go. And, you know, in a city with all sorts of new things going on, it's really nice to have a classic like ringside oh, yeah. that you can always rely upon. And we're, and we're talking about so many different things like prime rib on Mondays, prime Mondays. Right. And also... The thing, I've never been a filet person, yep. but that grass-fed filet mm-hmm. that they have at ringside is fantastic. And, of course, the world-famous onion, onion rings, rings. Never forget those. Yep, onion rings. Uh, setting up reservations is super easy. You can just go to ringsidesteakhouse.com. I often use the Open Table app. I think is, that's where, you, when you go to ringside, it links I think you that through goes it. Yeah. to there. And yep. the other cool thing about ringside is once you become, you make a few reservations, they get to know you. They, they do. know where you want to sit. Yep. They know maybe what drink you would like. That's a nice thing to have happen. So don't forget, once they are back open in early August, you can set up those reservations. Ringsidesteakhouse.com. So when do you think you went from uh, the point where you were executing someone else's idea, menu idea, and doing it well to, you know, I can do this myself and... And that takes, I think that takes a lot of guts because when you're doing that elevated cuisine, you know, you can't necessarily, you don't want to necessarily duplicate something mm. that you've learned from somebody else. On the other hand, if you go too far, then you're straying. Yeah. Um, I mean, even from, say, my first job when I was at Providence, I was always thinking of dishes and creating. You know, they maybe weren't that good or whatever, but... I was always kind of creating and every now and then, and it was, they were cool. They would kind of promote that, you know, so I would every now and then just kind of make something and and, maybe uh, family meal you'd be able to, not necessarily that. So that's a whole different style of cooking that, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you're not serving, but it's funny because so at the, I used to not, to be honest, it was up to like Qua, which was four years ago. I think I pronounced that incorrectly. I just realized, oh, it's, it's their own fault. It's spelled, it's kind of confusing. Yeah. Well, but um, so yeah, qua. I believe it means uh, tranquil. But um, it was up to that point I actually learned, you could say, how to cook staff meal, how to cook, you know? Because when I would make staff meal, I would kind of just make larger, like, tasting menu dishes. That's just, that's just how I think, you know. That's how I've been trained. That's how I think. I've never worked in a, a casual restaurant, so I really didn't know how to just cook. So it was up to that point where. Uh, you know, we had a, we, everyone took turns to make staff meal and they were really critical about it. And, um, you know, you had to make a side, you had to make, you know, a salad, a, a drink, you had to, they, they really invested a lot of money and, and care and, um, time into staff meal. So if you didn't make something good, you, 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 you knew about it. Um, what percentage of a restaurant's budget goes into staff meal? I don't know with them. I mean, just generally speaking. It's got to be, first of all, when you're serving elevated, I'll keep using that term, yeah. you're not serving that at staff meals, so it's got to be, obviously the ingredients aren't as expensive, but people need to eat well to get yeah. to a service. I mean, like with us right now, 
We um, so we'll get in whole chickens. So the drumsticks we don't use. So we eat drumsticks every day. Uh, rice is a big thing. I'm gluten. I'm actually gluten intolerant, gluten and dairy. So we uh, we omit that from our staff meal. But all of like the little veggie trims, you know, say things are like cut perfectly or or you make like rounds, you punch out rounds, things like that. We save all that trim and we and then that's what we eat. And it's it's still delicious and very um, nutritional, nutritious. Um, but yeah, so so far, if, you know, in the first four months, I haven't bought anything for staff meal. Um, it's all been. Um, oh, and you're not having big staff meals. Yeah, either. just two of us. Right, exactly. So, so that's, that's a different thing. I was yeah. actually act referring to some of the bigger restaurants. Yeah, the bigger restaurants. Um, it's mostly yeah, just byproduct. They would kind of buy more extra things mm -hmm. but of the same you know and they would you know larger restaurants you have more product around and you kind of sit on it and, do you uh, go out and eat yeah, obviously with some food restrictions it's harder but yeah where, what kind of places do you go out and i eat mean my favorite i love earl's food not mm -hmm. just because i'm um you know professionally involved with them but um, i'm a big fan of his food i think he does everything he does he does really well i love the lightness um, I mean, it's again, it fits so that's perfectly. Earl Ninsom, yeah, by Earl the way, Ninsom, of yeah. Padi and Longbon and Hot Yai. Am I missing one? Eam, yes, Eam, yes. I haven't been to Eam yet. Oh, it's a great restaurant. Yep, I've hear, I hear. Um, yeah, I lo really like Tusk. Tusk is a great one. Um, Arden is a good one too. Um, I used to um, go to Lovelies a lot. But then I realized that I had this um, gluten and dairy intolerance, so I can't go as much. It's a little tough there. <laughs> yeah. With pizza but, um, and ice cream as the uh, as the stars of the show. And I really want to go to Nanavo, and um, I've heard really great things. Um, and I might just bite the bowl and get over it and, and eat, eat the pizza as is. What I happens mean, when you do that? I get really bad congestion, like sinus pressure and congestion, and um, I'm not going to die. So it'll just be oh, kind of bother me for like three days. Man, that's, a long, that's a long time. It's yeah. got alcohol that, too. All that. I can't drink wine. I don't know what it is. Well, I have a hard time with red wine. I get yeah. I. It's catch as catch can. <clears throat> sometimes a massive headache, sometimes not. And I get to the point where I don't want to risk that. Mm -hmm. So it's not that important to me. So unlike other people yeah. who just, you know, live and die by it. Yeah. So I'm glad I don't have to live and die by that. So, um, you so you when did Jolly Lot open? When Let's did you start see. that? I think that was 2016, like February of 2016. I did a, a few dinners, mm -hmm. like what, probably like three dinners before that. But and I, they were I, well like, received. And Gary was at the first one. Gary I would was imagine. at the first one. Yeah, first one didn't go as well because I mean it's a lot to take on, mm -hmm. you know. Um, the very, very first dinner I, I was a part of where I cooked my food was when I did a collaboration with Justin Woodward and um, that went really well. And Gary was Gary was at that and he was really impressed and that's where he was first introduced to my food. And um, and he had, been, he had been to Castagna many times when he had been, been to cooking Castagna, yeah, and at, and at Qua. Right. So I knew him back then too. And then, um, so yeah, so that was a good start. So we... Um, the food really resonated with him at that point, and so he, he had an expectation. 
and you know when you when you move on to something on your own the food is i if i were to serve that menu right now that same exact menu i think you would love it i think it'd be great but i think and does that so when you say gary i also like to think that that's representative of a lot of people because he has a pretty broad understanding and appreciation for food so um the, the reason i mention that is because we don't need to talk on this podcast about what gary likes and what mm. he doesn't like but there's a reason that we're that we bring him up because of every anybody in portland there are only uh, let's be fair and say there are only a few people who travel and eat as much as he does and and put as much <laughs> stock into it so yeah very well traveled and he has a good great understanding of food um, do you travel with him at all have you been able to no. I, I asked Gary a long time ago, and it was before I knew exactly why he would say, no, I'm not going with you. Um, he didn't say that, but I, you know, <laughs> I don't think I could keep up with him either. No, that would be fun. Um, we never traveled. That hasn't even really come to mind. Everything's mm. just kind of been in Portland, and and I'm sure if we happen to be in the uh, same uh, city traveling, we would meet up, and maybe in the future we can organize something, but... I don't know. I don't. I don't foresee much free time in the future. Yeah. So, so you're really busy. Yeah. And uh, you're not going to close the restaurant down, correct? No. For like a week at a time. So at some point, um, like we'll take a winter break and. Okay. Yeah. So that's the only way to do it because you mm -hmm. have to be there. Yeah. I mean, later down the road, where we, I have more staffs, and, you know, maybe I'll be able to, um, take like a Tuesday off. Or a Wednesday, like a prep day, once I have people. Oh, you don't even that. have that now, seven days a week. Yeah, I mean, I'm always there, but I mean, I definitely have moments, and and I just really try to make the time for my partner right now. That's really important to me, mm -hmm. finding a balance, because there's always, there's always something that needs to be done. So definitely right. need to find a balance. And, um, and a lot of people find that, out, that balance issue too late. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's good that you're that you've got a, your pulse on that. Trying, now. not there yet, but definitely trying. Yeah, but trying is important. Is yeah. aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say that uh, you know there are quite a few people in the industry who aren't aware of it. They're just so focused on what they're doing, hmm. and it's an addictive industry yeah. in many ways. So, um, <clears throat> I lost my train of thought. I just had something. Let me make note of this for court. Um, what is it now that you're, uh, so if someone's coming into Berlu and when they do, what are you most excited about serving them? Serving them, let's see. <clears throat> I'm really excited about the chicken because it's, I don't know, chicken's kind of boring, but it's a yeah, great product. Yeah, so what makes it exciting? It's a great product, and or these organic chickens from Marion Acres, um, they do a great job. Um, we kind of break it up into two servings. So we have one, which is like a breast, that we uh, poach and then just kind of pull into threads, do so similar with uh, maitake mushrooms. And then we make a, like a chicken broth that we flavor with a porcini mm -hmm. that's kind of just poured over. So it's very reminiscent of like chicken noodle soup, things like that, something really comforting. But I think it, it's a nice menu, it's a nice item within the menu because there are a lot of, all the other dishes are, are kind of challenging. So this kind of just reels them back in and it's, it's comforting and, and uh, I think it's tasty. Is that a staple or is that a is that a um, seasonal thing? No, right definitely seasonal. Um, I don't really want. I'm not going to have staples or. I think part of. 
like any successes that I've had is like is because my menu is 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 spontaneous. You know, it changes, and um, and I like that about my food. You know, I don't I don't strive for a perfect dish. You know, I want really 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 good, but I I don't want perfect. I think perfect kind of um, I don't know. It's not very fun. And, um, well, so how like do you do that? How do you strive for less than perfection? No, then? I mean maybe, maybe we just nail it right off the bat. Right. You know, maybe maybe it does happen. Well, that's also a, a subjective definition. Yeah. Especially when it comes to food. I'm just I'm not the type of chef or person that obsesses over something so much to the point of of um, trying to reach a level of perfection. Mm-hmm. You know, I I want it to be great, and I work hard. And I strive for greatness with everything I do. Yeah, well, I would but, imagine so. You were pretty driven as a young child who, you know, got into um, got into great schools, and you automatically started or immediately started looking for great restaurants along the way. So uh, that's something you're doing, and uh, you will continue to do. Have you been? Have you seen um, the Karen Brooks of the world? In the restaurant yet? Are you looking forward yeah, to any recent reviews? Night. She came last night. Oh, cool. yeah, with Gary, yeah. of course. Um, so, and she's got to visit a few times before she actually gives you a review. I would imagine. Yeah, Karen's been very supportive and um, supportive in dining, and also just been very supportive in um, you know helping spread the word. So I'm really grateful for that. And uh, you know, she was with me since day one. She came to my my dinner as well, so she's seen. Um, she's seen the progression and, um, you know, it was strange last night. I wasn't, I wasn't really nervous about them coming in. I was more, so, cause they've, they've come in so much now that they're just kind of, I feel like they're, um, just another, another guest. Um, well, and, I would imagine all guests should be treated the same way. Yeah. So. And that, like that was, that's very genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's actually a mistake that I made in with Julie Led was at times I would focus too much on these um, you would call VIP guests, and um, you know, other guests would kind of feel that, and it's really important to um, yeah to have that understanding and and the balance and and yeah treat them all so. That's have, how we go. Do you have a lot forward. of time at Berlue to be making the rounds and chatting with people? Yeah, and... I mean it's small enough that. They can come up to me too. It's an open kitchen. It's kind mm-hmm. of similar to Long. So if you've been to Longbon, similar, mm-hmm. very similar. It's right there. Um, we we address the room um, collectively mm-hmm. for each dish, and yeah, I definitely take the time. Um, so what are you most excited about now that you're a month in? You got to keep excited. Oh, changing so many things today. So before this, I'm really excited about corn. Mm-hmm. So corn we would get from a farm called Winters. Um, they're out in Troutdale. Um, and so we roast the corn, we make a tea with it, and then we take it and we actually shuck the kernels out of, out of the skin. So that's kind of tedious, but it's like a perfect little kernel that doesn't how do you get do, any. How do you do that? Not that we've, I, we've never had a cooking lesson mm-hmm. on this show, but how do you get the, how do you get the kernels out of the. You just got to kind of pop them out with your hand. You so got to be patient. One. Yeah. One by one. Um, I mean, I have a hard time just getting the kernels off the cob. <laughs> When I'm making a salad, I figured out that that works. That's not so hard. Um, there are a lot of tasks that are tedious and not worth not worth the effort, and this one is. Um, I think so. 
and then how many how many times do you have to find out something's tedious after oh. the fact and say, well, we're not not doing that one again. No, there are definitely things that I've even um, let's see um, techniques that I've kind of are, am known for. Mm-hmm. You would say from Julie Led that we can't do at Berlu just because it's too time consuming. Um, so it's just you know putting any ego aside and adapting and just realizing that that we can't do that, so we move on. Not being stubborn, that's a big thing. Um, just being realistic about about our limitations, and I think through that our you know my cuisine will evolve because my limitations are very different from other restaurants. So certain things that they're able to do, I, I'm not. So there's like a redundancy when everyone's doing, you know, everyone's doing the same thing. So what are some of your, you've worked for some pretty high profile chefs. You got any fun stories you can share with us along the way? Um, things that either had an impact on you or that make for a good story that people. Yeah. I mean, okay. I'll kind of go through each, um, each little thing that from each chef. So this isn't going to sound, it probably won't be that exciting, but you know, one thing I learned from, we can put the laugh track on. Uh, if you want. Um, so chef Samarusti of Providence. So of course I learned cooking technique and, and um, you know, how to properly cook fish, things like that. That's what he's really known for. But there's a reason why everyone that works there, stays there and wants to stay there is because he he's just a great chef he's a great man and he he nurtures and um he's the type of chef i strive to be today so i'm really lucky that i got to work for him at such a young age because he set that that precedent and and um you know he did he he had very high demands and of course if he didn't reach those you would um there were repercussions but he did so in a very professional way that demanded respect um, so there was a moment, um, there's one moment where, you know, I wasn't really feeling, you know, I, it was a challenge for me working at that restaurant because I was working at another place mm-hmm. for lunch. And then, so I'd go there at like 7 a.m. and then work lunch service until 2.30. And I had to be at Providence by 3. And so I, this was in downtown LA. So I'd li- literally run to my car and then drive in LA traffic to Providence, just make it on time. Um, and then you're in this like very intense environment. So that was a challenge, but it was something that um, I felt was worth it. And it was, um, but yeah, so this moment I was, so I was always kind of tired, it was tough, but I wasn't, I was maybe a little under the weather. So a little more fatigued because of that. And it was at the end of the night and um, you know, he, he was at like the pass kind of calling tickets and kind of overseeing everything. And then I came over because there was a, a an immersion blender there uh, that you would use. So I was like, you know, blending the sauce. And I just kind of looked up at the clock and kind of like sighed. And, um, and I could kind of feel him watching me, you know, and then we carried on. And then at the end of the night, after it all, he walked over to me and said, don't ever, don't ever come here if you're not 100% because you're not good enough to be here if you're not. And... No sighing at the clock. Just because you're tired and you're like, you know, a sense of you kind of just turn it, turn off for a sec, you know, check out for a sec. And um, nothing was affected by that, but it's still, I just remember that moment very vividly. Um, 
if I was in that moment, I would, if I was him, I would freak out on that person, you know, and that's just a sign of his maturity. And it's funny, it makes me think of some of the challenges of chefs here in Portland, just finding not even great help, but just help. So depending on the uh, success of a restaurant and the stature of a restaurant, you can afford to be that, that, um, particular with employees i think if that happened in a lot of restaurants in portland they'd just be glad they were there yeah so this probably makes me sound like super pretentious <laughs> no not at all but it show it what it does to me is points out the that the the standards of certain restaurants are different from others it's just that little just that moment has always stuck with me and um so you're not sighing at the clock any longer but it's beyond that it's just about and it's it's less than what I did, but more what he did. But so how do you main, how do you maintain? I don't care if it's you then, you now, or anybody. How does how does somebody maintain uh, that level of commitment and interest? Where at some point you don't look at the clock and say, you know, geez, just, just you wish this be, was over. No, you're just you're focused, a hundred percent. You're into it, and um, you just get like tunnel vision. And um, that happens when it's busy. Obviously, you don't have time to think. Mm-hmm. You just react. But, um, yeah, at the end of the night, of course, you, you have your last pickups. You're tired. You're, it's easy to get distracted. And you just got to stay focused. And that's that's um, how. It's one of the things that really impresses me about you and everybody who does what you do. Because I just think it's incredible to do the same hard work day after day and maintain a level of interest and commitment that, produces such great results yeah i mean i was i was very dedicated and um, committed and i always cared but um and uh, and chefs would always kind of um introduce the notion of the importance of each dish because no matter how you know you've maybe seen it done it 500 times mm-hmm. but they've only this is their first and maybe only time mm-hmm. and so you, you it's easy to take each dish for granted each pickup that's the thing that i really understand now and it's and um yeah you 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 can't take any any dish for granted so what makes your restaurant your food what you do different than uh, justin's doing at castagna Mm -hmm. or some other restaurants that are like that what what experience are people going to get at Berlu that they're not going to get anywhere else in this city anyway well i think what's different i think the cuisine is kind of similar with justin's um i think that just the setting alone is it's much more intimate they get a sense of 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 you know pers- from a personality perspective we're very different so and i think we have very different ambitions still very high but um so but how does that come through in the food? The, the fact that your the, personalities I think a are playful, different. A playfulness. I think there's. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think there's. Um, but what is the difference? What? I mean, I think not to talk so much about Justin. No, but but I think I'm just he's. Saying, I think what, he's someone that strives for perfection. Right. But what is it that? What is it about you that's coming through in your food that we will not find mm-hmm. anywhere else? That's what I'm trying. I to I think get there's at. a very high level of thoughtfulness. I think that my food is um, something that someone described my food as, or me, just the whole experience is as um, an essentialist, beyond a minimalist, it's an essentialist. And, and I, I, I really like that because everything does have a purpose. 
and there is no unnecessary pieces because we don't have time we don't have the money to be wasting on these so everything is purpose um and i think that um, that makes the cuisine special i think i have a very unique perspective on um towards cuisine like something gary was saying yesterday was that you know he had dishes that he couldn't he didn't he would never have at any other restaurant in the country you know um that's cool to hear. Yeah, so that doesn't necessarily mean it's the best or anything. But, no, but um, it's, still, ha- it's kind of hard to be different nowadays. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, that's a lot something, of talent out there. Yeah, especially with social media and all that. There's a lot of influence. So I've actually, I mean, you, there are elements within my cuisine that you can see the influence from my other chefs, but it's like most chefs that work for Daniel Patterson all cook the same food. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I feel like I'm very different, and that's the same case with other other chefs, other restaurants. You know, you become you become a product of them, and your food reflects it. And and I've always tried to not, I've always tried to kind of understand the spirit of the food, and apply that. Um, so, like, say with Daniel's food, his liveliness and the brightness. Um, yeah. So, does music influence you and your food? Um. Not so much, but there's definitely, um, you know, there's definitely music that I think resonates with the aesthetic. Where like I hear a song and I said I feel like like if I was a song, I'd be that song, mm-hmm. and that's what I want expressed with Bear Lose. So, are there any that come to mind? Yeah, definitely right now. So it's kind of it's a unique um, um, opportunity with the soundtrack that we have because we're doing seating, so we can kind of control uh, what is played at what time. You know, generally, we're not trying to pair. So what kind of music? So right now, we're, we play a lot of Billie Eilish, this young um, young. Oh, artist. I thought you were mispronouncing Billie Idol. I just oh, can't. No. <laughs> I don't think that's the right vibe. No, Even Billie though I Eilish, haven't been there. Little, that's a little too much fun, but um, I love her sound. She um, just has this very, like, mysterious, inquisitive kind of sound, but it's very beautiful and soft at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's perfect with, with my food. Um, so that that we actually play, I've always been, uh, I've always liked having, or just a notion of a singular experience, you know. Um, and so with the music, we only that's that's we just play Billie Eilish. That's it, and it kind of works. Yeah. So then that's like in the savory portion, and then as we go to dessert, we kind of switch it up to another artist called Davachka. Oh, but, very nice. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll listen to a song and I'll think like, oh, that's a, such a good dessert song you know you're kind of tired but you're hitting like new points on your palate because mm-hmm. it's very different dessert to savory and um but again it's like you had been eating for like an hour and a half two hours so you're kind of tired and you just need like a little extra pick me up and just it's a different mood you know the, the music kind of starts softer and slower and then as you increase with the menu kind of picks up to kind of um to kind of liven is that something you learned somewhere else um how to have music complement the dining experience or now that you're doing you obviously probably did did this at your pop-up and you're doing it now but no i mean it's a very unique experience i never worked i've never worked i've always worked in traditional kitchens Mm -hmm. you know and where you have a playlist and so 
That's just something the, I've learned. The playlist during prep is always very different than oh. the playlist. What about your prep? Are you doing something oh, I'm different? One of those, I'm one of those assholes that doesn't listen to music. Really? Like, yeah. Well, no, I would imagine that certain types of cooking, um, you know, are lend themselves to different types of music. So. Yeah. I mean, I lived above a restaurant for a little while that did pretty nice food out on the coast, and uh, the the music oh, they play metal. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that was too much for me to deal with at the middle of the day. But. Actually, if I ever listen to anything, I listen to um, like sports commentary, and I like the herd. The herd's a good one. Or, okay, and I'm a big um, Manchester United fan, soccer. So there's a few. It's like a um, YouTube channel I'll listen to, and I'm really into boxing, so there's a boxing channel I'll listen to. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. How'd you develop your interest in boxing? Um, I mean, I've always kind of been into martial arts, mixed martial arts. Um, let's see, about like eight years ago, I, I was training uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and then, um, and then the UFC kind of got really popular, and, you know, you got like bigger guys that are just kind of roots that were coming in and kind of took the fun away from it um, so I kind of stopped that and um, always kind of was into boxing um, I, I find boxing to be actually really artistic mm-hmm. um, and I love the defensive just, side of it just of boxing. regular boxing not kickboxing no not kickboxing no I yeah. boxed for a little while it's oh, okay. pretty cool yeah it's so artistic I feel and um, yeah what's artistic about it I mean, there's so much with setting up and understanding movement and footwork and, and, um, yeah, it's just beyond, beyond rock'em sock'em, uh, two guys punching each other. Well, I would imagine that some are more graceful than others. Yeah. That's what made Muhammad, but, but Muhammad I feel like, Ali, just Ali, like who he was. the ability to set up and read an opponent, understand movement and, and understand, um, you know, common combinations you can you know you can anticipate what's coming and um yeah well that's what i guess your love of that is part of what makes you an artist what from your childhood are you drawing on most or do you think that influenced you the most um i don't know i think there's a thoughtfulness with my food <clears throat> with my food that um has always been present even from when I was a kid, I was always very thoughtful. I would always like save up my money to buy my mom a birthday gift or something. Even when I didn't, you know, when I was just a kid, I don't know how I got the money. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not much in terms of the food experiences, and and that's not really where I want to go. I don't want to try to recreate something. I want. I like to create something new. But was food an important part of your childhood? No, not at all. No, again, what kind of things were you eating? I mean, we're eating. Carl's Jr., TV dinners. I grew up on fast food. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, well, in California, there's a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the only time I would really, you know, every now and then my, my dad would make dinner and we'd sit together. And actually, the one thing that my mom made was lasagna. And, um, you know, she would just buy, you know, Prego and just throw raw spinach and raw sheets and, and uh, the mozzarella and just kind of throw it all in there and then put it in the oven. And, and I loved it because that was the one thing she made. And it probably mm-hmm. wasn't good, but... Um, yeah, it's no, been a you could t- probably do a bit much better lasagna today. Oh. I would imagine if you were charged with it. Hmm. You'd do the research. Um, so uh, 
where do we where do we all find you on uh, social media and the internets? Yeah, all so all social media is at Berlu PDX. So B E R L U P D X. Uh, website is BerluPDX.com. Uh, Are there any other Berlus anywhere else? No. So no more. I always wonder whether people feel like they. I, I think we automatically add the PDX at the end of. And where does Berlu come from? Uh, so it's derived from the French word Irlu Berlu which is uh, a strange or eccentric person. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Berlu itself is also, um, um, oftentimes you see, like, something that you're so shocked or amazed by, and you're kind of like, oh, Berlu. So. I've never heard that term. Now yeah. I have. Yeah. And now we're going to hear about it more and more. Hopefully. Uh, I'm excited for you. I think it's great. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, thank you. Got a long ways to go still, but um, I'm happy with where we're at and where we're going. More so, where we're going, or you know, the progression we made. And- well, great. Wish you much luck, and uh, we'll get in there soon. I appreciate the invite the other night again, but could not make it. And uh, we'll look forward to trying your food and having the Bearloo experience. Oh, I'd love to have you. We'll be in soon. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Ooh. Did you have anything else you wanted to cover, by the way? Um, not really. Um, I don't know. I thought it'd be kind of fun to talk about, like my first of my first jobs. Okay, They're good. Let's cooking do related. that. Okay. Um, let's hear your first. Let's talk about your first job in the restaurant industry. No, not cooking related. Oh, not so, cooking related. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I was my very first job. So I think that kind of, I don't know, just kind of, that kind of affected my childhood in, in understanding. Or just having an appreciation, an appreciation for the value of a dollar, and uh, just appreciation what for was your each first guest. Job? I was I was working at a baseball card shop when I was thirteen. Oh, very nice. Good. Yeah. This is a topic I can have some fun with. What were your, what were your favorite baseball cards then? So I actually hated baseball, and I still kind of do. I was I played hockey growing up, so mm-hmm. I played for eight years from ten to eighteen. Really? Yeah, but um, so I was more so there for hockey cards. That doesn't, you know, if if you were to ask me what sport uh, an Asian guy in so, Southern California yeah. was playing, I wouldn't come up with hockey. Paul Korea. Oh, okay. No, but yeah, very strange. So yeah, I played for the Junior Ducks. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a big part. And but, so, um, what, so who were you? So you didn't care about the baseball cards? Not so much. I knew a lot. You know, I I, I learned a lot about baseball, and um, that baseball card shop specifically was affiliated with the boosters club the booster club of the angels mm-hmm. so they had events all the time and and um so yeah i learned a lot about baseball long but, after the rod carew days yeah <laughs> trying to think of who was big mark, back mark langston oh langston right langston yeah who eventually married my brother's ex-girlfriend really so i'm actually tawny katan okay so her daughter katie is uh friends but she's clo- really close to one of my best friends really yeah so i've been over there i've been at her house oh man so this goes so with, this goes back to 1980 <laughs> oh. one for me so mm-hmm. that was a long time ago she was in the white snake videos oh right she was on the she was on the uh that's so funny Spoiler. the hood of the mercedes that was her that was her go look at them oh, go look it gosh. up that's tawny katain um Interesting. So I wish I still had my baseball cards, man. I don't have them. Oh, I still have them. I came across them. Um, my dad, my dad's pretty cool about keeping everything. You got any old Mets cards? So again, not baseball, hockey. Oh, so you don't have baseball. No, no, no. You're only focusing on hockey. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I call it a baseball card shop because that's, 
that was their main. You yeah, know, they had Ed Jockman car. Ed Jockman from the Rangers. No, yeah, he's way before your time. Yeah, sorry. It's scary. <laughs> it's scary. Mark Our, Messier. Mark Messier. Yeah, yeah, that was 1994, man. Rangers. Uh, was that? Uh, yeah, 94. 94. Rangers Stanley Cup. Mm. Fantastic. But I came across my hockey cards, and it's funny. Even when I was however old I was, I had them. Um, organized by each player and each one was in a sleeve and I remember any card over five dollars I had in like a hard case are the hockey cards worth anything I never hear anything about hockey cards probably I don't know probably not not like I baseball mean, cards, cards yeah and they have well no I wouldn't say that I wouldn't say they have longer careers but there's just more of interest yeah but I don't think the market is as vast mm. baseball has this lore from way mm. back and I wonder I if people still collect or I mean I can't imagine that cards card stores are still well, I would imagine around. there's something for everyone yeah. out there they're gonna be collecting Baraloo cards oh soon this way you don't have to make a lot of them just a couple I made like 500 business cards and I haven't had one out yet you know I'm finding that business cards are <laughs> not they don't work the way they used to you just trade Instagram and yeah, that's, that's the best way to get people Anyways. or or I will hand someone my phone and say Put your email address yeah. in here, and then you're definitely in touch. I prefer that. Yeah, business cards have gone. Well, I don't know. Some people still use them. Um, again, thanks very much. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate your being here. Right at the Fork is hosted and produced by Chris Angeles and Court Johnson. Connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Food Podcast PDX, or on Facebook at Right at the Fork, or online at RightAtTheFork.com.